Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pushkin. Hey, Lost Tales listeners, it's Dana. I wanted to let you know that you can hear the entire new season of Lost Tales ad-free, along with other great binge listens, by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Tales show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm slash plus. Mickey was highly intelligent, well-read, and he didn't give a fuck, and he saw what the future was going to bring to surfing. And so he acted accordingly, and he wouldn't capitulate. This is Chris Malloy. He's a documentary filmmaker who moved to Hawaii to be a professional big-wave surfer in the 90s. Chris is a big fan of Mickey Dora. He was like, you know what? I can get paid to surf. But he said, I'm going to take credit cards and checks and go around the world and surf waves that nobody knows about. And he said, God damn it. He goes, if they gave you this plastic card and you could just go get stuff for free, what, what the fuck would you do? I'm visiting Chris at his sprawling ranch on California's central coast, where he and his wife are raising three kids on 100 acres. He's part of that Kelly Slater generation of surfers who grew up on Mickey Dora lore. Mickey's status as an iconoclast spoke to them. 
He was very aware of the big public and governmental systems and was smart enough to go, hey, I'm going to do it my way and you guys can pretty much fuck off. That was Mickey. You know what I mean? Um, And he did it with style. Two years before Mickey died, Chris got to spend a couple of weeks with him in Chile, surfing. I was very, very focused when I was with him. Just taking it in. Because I knew, I knew I was in a special space, so. Mickey talked a lot on the trip. And Chris was listening. But he was also thinking about posterity. And so, secretly at first, because Mickey was so paranoid, he started recording him. As Chris is telling me this, he hands me a mini disc. So this is a recording that you guys can take if you want that I did with him. Um, so this is very uh, unjournalistic, but I'm not a journalist, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> he didn't know I was recording. And I don't think there's anything good on there, honestly. Like, I listened to it once, and it's horrible sound. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Avocado balloon. There are very few recordings of Mickey Dora. He rarely sat for interviews. And when he did, they tended to be incredibly contrived. Not to mention, full of lies. But this tape is different. It captures the final chapter of Mickey's life. He was 65, and he knew he was falling apart. People do what they want. They have to live with their conscience. I want to live the way I want to live. It's hard to do, and it's an experiment. Yeah. But uh, I don't want anyone to live the way I do. It's, you know, I don't want to serve like everybody else. I don't want to do anything like everyone else. I just try to live my life. What's suitable for me? After years of seemingly perpetual youth, Mickey looked his age. A picture from around this time shows him with a silvery goatee, wearing some kind of cravat, a soft twinkle in his eye. Like the most interesting man in the world, if he was left on the beach for a week. The cancer that would kill him was, most likely, already eating him away. Mickey had been on the outside for so long, in exile, in prison, forsaken. And the surf world, the whole world, had moved on. He'd lost his kingdom and most of his fawning fans. His fame was underground, deep underground. Did the new wild kids of Surfrider even know who Mickey Dora was? Mickey always said he hated attention, but he craved relevance. He wanted to be wanted. The one thing Mickey hadn't lost was his legendary charm. So when he met Chris Malloy and Kelly Slater, two of the surf world's biggest celebrities, he turned it on. Mickey was ready for his last act. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills.
Episode 11, Writing on the Wall. Hi, Kelly. All right. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm on a Zoom with Kelly Slater. Can you guys see me? No. No, oh, no your camera's you? off. Oh, I didn't realize I never had it on. Cool. Okay, great. He's at home on the north shore of Oahu, and when the camera turns on, his Zoom backgrounds got real Hawaii vibes. Whitewashed wooden walls, a ceiling fan, and surfboards stashed in the roof beams. Cool. Um, Well, I'm going to start by asking you a question that you probably haven't been asked in 25 years, which is, who are you and what do you do? Hmm. Funny enough, I get asked that a lot to uh, set up interviews, but... I'm Kelly Slater. Um, I'm a professional surfer. I have been for, I've actually been professional for 30, 33 years now. And um, still competing full time. Um, I'm a father. I do a little bit of business here and there. So that's kind of my thing. It's taken a while to schedule this call because Kelly is busy. Right now I'm actually just I'm in a process of packing and kind of closing up my house for the winter because I'm going to Portugal tomorrow for a competition. It's March, and Kelly's on the world tour, and he's hoping to qualify for the Olympics. The results from the world tour feed into the Olympics. So it's really essentially like a year-long Olympic trials. And uh, I need to make the top two from the U.S. and the men's in order to make the Olympics. Kelly Slater is 52 years old and the winningest pro surfer of all time. He just barely missed making the U.S. team for surfing's first Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. He really wants to make it in 2024. This would be my uh, one and probably only Olympics that I would ever do. Kelly Slater met Mickey in the late 90s, right in the middle of a streak in which Kelly won the world title five years in a row. Mickey was spending time in Jeffreys Bay, South Africa, Another perfect right. Another stand-in for Malibu. After he was released from prison, Mickey kind of alternated between Guittery, his spot in France, and J-Bay. His constant companion was a small King Charles Spaniel named Scooter Boy after a hot-dogging Hawaiian surfer. Scooter Boy ate at the table from a plate. Mickey was surviving on the kindness of others and the fumes of his legend. The surf apparel company Quicksilver had come to Mickey's rescue when he got out of prison and appeared destitute. They paid him a monthly stipend, got him a small apartment, and gave him a tab at a local restaurant. In return, he agreed to be, essentially, their mascot, showing up at parties and attending surf events. It was more or less the same gig Gidget has at Duke's in Malibu. Over the years, I've told a few of the stories that I know where Mickey did, like, rip people off and treated people kind of badly, you know? And I, I don't say those stories to, like, tarnish his image or anything like that. To me, it's, it's, um, it was a defining part of his personality and who he was that he was so paranoid and um, untrusting of other people that it was maybe because of his own skeletons. But, you know, he had all these tricks he would pull, and people who knew him well would get ahead of his tricks Though Mickey was too scared after prison to pull any serious scams, he was still seemingly incapable of paying for his own meal. One thing that comes to mind is he lived in France for a long time, and he would go to dinner with 
people there. And he always had this trick where he'd show up at dinner with a hundred dollar US bill. And at the time it was French francs. And you couldn't just readily exchange a hundred dollar bill at any restaurant. And so when the bill would come, he'd go, oh, all I have is a hundred dollar bill. And so my friend's wife caught on to it. She goes, oh, I know he's going to pull that trick on us again this dinner. So she brought enough money to exchange his $100 bill in francs at dinner. And as soon as he picked it up, and went, oh, I have a $100 bill. She grabbed it out of his hand and goes, I got change for that. <laughs> Kelly was charmed by Mickey. It was incredible to meet someone who had been there back at the birth of California surfing. His little brother was a big Mickey Dora fan. So the first time he met Mickey, Kelly asked if he would sign a picture for his brother. And um, he just like went, whoa, 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 no, Kelly, I, I really like you. You seem like a great guy, but I can't do that. And I said, why not? You could just like personalize it to my little brother. You know, I'd probably sign a thousand autographs at any particular event. And um, Mickey just said, no, I, you know, these, these Japanese think that my autograph's worth $5,000 and I can't change that. I can't let them down. Uh, and what he meant by that was that every surfboard that he signed, him and Greg Knoll had a surfboard deal together and they would sell these boards in Japan and they would sell for about $5,000. So he equated his signature to being worth about $5,000, I guess. Mickey's weirdness about signing, about giving any part of himself away, was a motif Kelly noticed. It might have been the fact that in the forged passport case, the FBI forced Mickey to submit hundreds of handwriting samples they were never able to get a match. But maybe Mickey wasn't taking any chances. Sometime later, Kelly ran into Mickey in France. Kelly was sponsored by Quicksilver. He'd been invited to play a round of golf with Mickey, the Quicksilver mascot, and a couple of executives. At the end of the round, Mickey and Kelly sat down for a drink, and Bruce Raymond, who ran Quicksilver International, passed around the scorecard for everyone to sign. And Mickey gets up and goes to the bathroom. And I've already told you the story about Mickey's autograph. But the problem is that Bruce is basically his boss and the one who determines whether he gets a paycheck every month and he gets his travel and all that stuff. So I said, you know, Mickey's not going to sign this, Bruce. And, and he goes, he'll sign it. And I said, no, he's, he won't sign it. I'm telling you, this will be a fight. He goes, just put it in front of his seat. And when he gets back, he'll sign the scorecard. And so after about... We gets back and he sits there for about five or ten minutes and he hasn't signed it yet. And and Bruce finally goes, hey, Mickey, sign the scorecard. And Mickey goes, oh, he just totally freaked out. Yeah. Who, who's is this? Who's going to, where's this going? I'm, I'm not, no, I don't sign things. I, 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 and Bruce real calmly goes, Mickey, sign the scorecard. And, and he goes, well, who, where's this going to go? Who's keeping this? And Bruce goes, don't worry, Mickey, it's mine. I'll keep it. All gentlemen sign their scorecards. You have to sign your scorecard. Mickey agreed, reluctantly. And Bruce, to this day, has that scorecard framed on his wall at home. He put it in a box frame behind glass. And I told him, I said, Bruce, if you ever pass away before me, I want that to go into my house. During the golf game in France, Kelly had noticed that Mickey's clubs were badly out of date. After we had our drinks and he'd signed the scorecard and we're walking to our car. And I said, Mickey, you know... Um, you should probably get a new set of golf clubs. I go, those things are like 30 years old. You, you want to get a new set? And he goes, what, what do you mean? Like, how am I going to get a new set? And I said, I'll get you a set of clubs. And he goes, well, if you're not going to get me a set of clubs, I need to make other plans. You need to let me know right now. 
because I need to make some other plans. And I said, Mickey, you haven't made plans in 25 years. I don't think you're worried about how long this is going to take. I said, don't worry, I'll send you a set of golf clubs. And he goes, well, how long is it going to take? And I said, I don't know. I got a friend at a golf company and I'll order them and I'll send them over here to you. And I think I flew to California and within a few days, I got a, a fax from him. That was when we had faxes in the late 90s. And it said, you know, if same thing, Kelly, if you're not going to be able to, to, to get this set of, set of golf clubs, you're going to have to let me know because I need to make other plans. Same exact thing he had told me. And I said, Mickey, I don't want to hear from you again until you get your golf clubs, okay? A month or so later, I got the clubs and I sent them to him. And then he sent me this fax and it said, Kelly, thank you, thank you, thank you. These King Cobra golf clubs have changed my life, signed Mickey Dora. I had a really bad fax, but I saved the fax and I have his signature and stuff. But I'm almost positive that that fax has faded to nothing now. I was thinking that if you find your fax and the signature has vanished, that would be like a perfect Mickey from the grave moment. Yeah, it really would. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be like, I got you, I I got you. Mickey's greatest accomplishment in the eyes of many of his admirers is that he managed to orient his life entirely around surfing. He was free of the obligations that anchor most of us to the shore. He didn't let anything or anyone get in the way of his wave. He told me, he goes, Kelly, I've almost made it. And I said, what? He goes, I'm going to be whatever age, 62 years old, 63 years old next year, and I've never worked a day in my life. And that was success to him, was never working. I think that was very sincere, you know? Like, he felt that was his accomplishment, that was his legacy. I got all the way through life without ever having to work a day in my life. He worked harder than he probably would have had he just had a job. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash loss today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash lost. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. 
Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Uh, I'm in Chile, on the coastline in a little town called Pichilimo. I'm in a little one-bedroom hotel room with Mickey Dora. That's Chris Malloy, the former pro surfer and documentarian. It's the year 2000. Mickey has just left the room to run an errand, and Chris has pulled out his mini-disc recorder. It's been an interesting stay with Mick. I feel like after a few days now, I can ask him anything I want, and he, he likes to talk about it. If he's offended, he just skips it and keeps going. He doesn't get mad so far. We'll see. I set the recorder up, and he seems to ignore it. Enter. Mickey Dora. I was living in Hawaii at the time, and my friend he called me, and um, he said, hey, Mickey Doors in town. And I said, and he, and he goes, I think, you know, you two should get together. And I'm like, yeah, that'll never happen. At his ranch on the Central Coast, Chris is describing how he ended up traveling to Chile with Mickey Dora. It was one of the last great adventures of Mickey's life. At the time, I was living with my two brothers on the North Shore, right near Pipeline. And I get a phone call. And so this was when we just had phone a phone on the wall, right? There's no cell phones and stuff like that. So I pick up the phone. Hello? He goes, who's this? Like, That's rude. Like, you just called me. If I didn't say that. And, and I'm like, this is Chris. Who's this? And he goes, Mick. So I go, Mick who? And he goes, it's Mick. And so now I don't know who it is. And he goes, I heard you're going south. Chris was planning a trip to Antarctica to go surfing. The kind of crazy surf odyssey that Mickey was famous for. Anyway, so uh, he goes, well, I'm going to Chile. And I had never been to Chile. And he goes, do you want to go? And I didn't. I still, I was like, I don't know fuck, who this is. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not stopping in Chile, man. I'm going from Lima to Ushuaia or wherever, you know, my flight plan was. He goes, okay, bye. Click. 
and then I'm like kind of like making dinner. I go, that was fucking Mickey Dora. Holy shit. And so back then you could do the star 69. So I call, I go, tick, ching, ting. Mickey? Yeah? Hey, when do you want to fly? <laughs> and so I changed my whole flight plan. Chris was born in 1971. His generation of surfers grew up in the era of established surf brands, competitions, and an official professional surf league. He grew up and started surfing in the Dora Lives era, when Mickey had vanished from Malibu, but traces of him lingered in the writing on the wall. Chris grew up on a farm in Ojai, California, about an hour from Malibu. He'd heard the stories from his dad, who knew Mickey back in the 50s. My dad had surfed with them. I always loved surfing history, so I was aware of the dark night. <laughs> and so it's somebody you thought you'd never meet because he was so elusive, you know? He was so elusive. That was sort of, if there's an, an adjective that might be the most appropriate for Miklos Dora is how elusive he was. When Chris told his dad that he was going surfing in Chile with Mickey Dora, his dad was not too thrilled. Anybody that knew him didn't miss him. <laughs> Chris and Mickey agreed to meet at LAX and head south from there. But first, Mickey had a little job for Chris. Mickey was going to send a surfboard to California. He wanted Chris to pick it up and bring it to the airport. And I said, of course, you know, of course. And my dad said, keep your fucking wallet in your front pocket. Then he took the board out of the box and he held it up. It was nighttime. He held it up to his headlights because he was convinced that Mickey had like put contraband in the surfboard. He was like, there's no way that this is on the up and up. Chris understood his role. Mickey had made it clear. Mickey was 65 years old and getting weaker. Chris was there to carry his stuff, like a caddy. So we land in Santiago, and I'm like, okay, this is your trip, you know, and you're, I'm coming at your behest, okay? I've never been to Chile. I, I don't even know if there's waves here. I don't know anything. And we land, I load all his shit while he's just standing there, and... Um, the cab driver is like, okay, where are we going? And he goes, well, take us to the, take us to the beach. And the guy's like, it's a big country, like, in, you know, in, in Spanish. And he's like, just, just take us to the ocean. And I'm like, I'm fucked. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know where we're going. The cab driver took them four hours to Pichalemu, a surf spot on the coast. Then we get to the first hotel, haul all of my shit in there, haul all of his shit in there. There's no hot water. He goes, we're not staying here. And I'm like, yes, we are. I'm like, we just flew all night. I'm not, no, we, we're moving. So I got everything out, freaking dragged it through the streets, found another hotel. And yeah, he, he was a bit of a prince. Mickey was high maintenance, but for Chris, it was worth it. He couldn't believe he was traveling and surfing with THE Mickey Dora. Not just a prince, 
the Dark Prince. We had so much, like, solitude, you know. I mean, this is a short period of time, but I was just locked on at all times. We were in a hotel room, and I had been... I was tired of listening to him talk, and I wanted to go sleep. But I don't want to miss anything. I didn't want to, So I put on my, my little mini disc. It's hard to get vitamins in France. Very difficult. Is it? I can't get anything over there. That's why. You must think I'm a nutcase. No, I don't. I don't think you're a nutcase at all. I, I, but I'm just trying to ward off any type of... Um, Blue, which is the following yeah. lyrics from Europe over to Fiji. Yeah. And if I get sick, man, I'm screwed. It was an intimate experience being with Mickey like that, one-on-one, for two weeks. Well, you're doing well. I can't believe you're 65 years old. I can't believe it either. I don't know what happened. It went like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Jeez, so sad. See again? Not the end, Mick. I'm afraid so. In spite of his age and signs of infirmity, Mickey was still an unbelievable surfer. Yeah, we happened upon some incredible surf. There was this left, and um, it went from here to that ridge line right there. I'm not kidding. He gets this way from the top all the way through. And it's a left. And I'm at the bottom because I got the wave before. And uh, he kicks out. And I'm like, Mick, we did it. And he goes, I fucking hate lefts. (laughs) I'm like, you just got the most beautiful wave I've ever seen. And he's like, we got to find a right. (laughs) So and that, that sums Mickey Dora up. The whole time they were together, Chris avoided talking about his surf career. He'd read Mickey's rants about commercialization. He didn't want Mickey to know he was a sellout, a pro. So I hid the fact that I was a pro surfer from him. Okay? He didn't know that I was a pro surfer, and he loathed pro surfers, even though he was the prototype of a pro surfing, right? But Chris delicately inquired about the surf industry and what Mickey thought about other pros. I played tennis, you know, and golf with these guys. Slater and Rabbit, all the, you know, it's, they play good tennis and real good golf. And it's, but I don't get them involved with their lives. I just, you know, it's an exercise. And, I mean, they're real decent to me, no problem. I mean, I don't, I don't tell them, uh, you know, how they should live their life. And they don't tell me. So, I mean, it's let them live it. No big deal. But, um, I mean, I, won't, I would never do what they do. It's a, whole, it's a whole different way of looking at it. Who am I to say? I think it's more like the industry, the, the businessmen that have ruined the sport, not the surfers. The surfers are just opportunists. They just take what's given to them. You can't, how do you think you relax? How can you do anything with caravans of camera people and going everywhere you go? You have no privacy, nothing. Yeah. I don't consider that a lifestyle. 
Chris kept his secret for two weeks, the whole time they were together. But after Chris had left Chile, Mickey discovered the truth at a local restaurant. And there was there there's this poster of me surfing the pipeline. And Mickey goes, what's that? And apparently he tore it off the wall and threw it, like pretended like it was on fire and was like, I thought I knew who that kid was. I felt so bad. And I'm like, in the same breath though, I'm like, fuck you, Mickey. Like, we're, you made money surfing, I made money surfing, and you made money in chest high Malibu. The wave that that you got pissed off was like 20 foot pipeline. So what do you, what do you got? What, sh- what shit are you talking? Mickey, Chris said, was part of surfing's original sin. He was complicit in what occurred at Malibu, hugely. I was able to take money from the man, no problem. I did the dance. I was a dancing bear. I was. Otherwise, I was going to be driving a bulldozer (laughs) for my dad. So I was like, if I can put on like a bright singlet and go, you know, do the deal and I'll get paid for it. Like I, I, I did what I I did. I got work. Um, And just like when I sort of critique modern surfing and what it's become, I have to accept my own complicity in in it, you know, because we made surf films and (laughs) all that stuff, you know. There was a kind of an endearing moment where I was leaving to head to Antarctica. And I said, all right, Mick, you know, it meant a lot to me, you know, and... I'm heading out. And he goes, I'm going to go find that right. All right, bye. And he just walks away. And I was like... So that was it? No sentimental moment? No nothing? And then we're getting the truck, and I'm going to the bus station. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear this on the side of the truck. I look over, it's Mick. Mickey made up some excuse to join Chris on the drive, but Chris didn't believe it. He could tell that Mickey wasn't ready to say goodbye. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, 
giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Might have to take these in case we... Lose each other. Try it out. Just press the side. Yeah, press the side and talk. Ahoy, ahoy. It's not working. Turn your, is yours on? Oh, you're not pushing it. There you go. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs> Jerry's at 3 o'clock. I am like coming in loud and clear. Yes, you are, sir. I think I'm going to need backup. Send backup at 5 o'clock. Can't do a thing for you. I haven't got my welfare check yet. <laughs> How do you turn them off? Chris and Mickey stayed in touch after the trip. They even had dinner in Santa Barbara, near Mickey's dad's house. This must have been pretty soon before Mickey died. Chris has a story about the dinner. I've heard a lot of Mickey Dora stories by now, but this one is my favorite. Mickey had told me I'm going to find a right in Chile when I left. But the way the Southern Hemisphere works, all the swell comes this, it's all lefts. There's a couple rights, but it's all lefts. Remember, Mickey had spurned that beautiful wave he and Chris surfed in Chile because it was a left, and Mickey preferred to go right. So <laughs> we go to dinner, and, he, and and I took my brother Keith with me. And, and uh, my brother, we look like twins. So Keith has used the restroom. And he goes, who is that? Who's that guy? I'm like, it's my fucking brother. And then he take, pulls out a slide and he goes, I found the right. I found the right. And he's making sure to do it before my brother gets back. And he holds up this slide. And it's a left that he turned the slide backwards. Like it's clearly backwards. And he's like, I found it. Like kind of like I missed out on it, you know? And then my brother comes back and he's like, stuffs it in his pocket. (laughs) For Chris, Mickey's surfing style is seductive, but it's his attitude towards surfing that he admires most. Mickey represented the rebel soul of surfing. Of course he wanted to plug into that. 
my favorite surfers are the guys that are doing amazing things in a subtle way. Um, but really, the thing about Mick that is the most lasting was fuck society. It was fuck everybody. I'm going to do it whatever I want, whenever I want, the way I want. And that, like, that really, you know, if we go into the 60s, 70s, and even early 80s, you know, and that carried on into punk rock and skating and rock and roll and all that, you know, it was fuck everybody. Like, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way, you know, and it doesn't, it's not just in the water, it's on land. That That's the most lasting signature of Mickey Dora to me. Do it my way. Listening to Chris, I think he identifies with Mickey's disappointment, too, that the California of old is disappearing. The ocean was a gift to him, as it is for all of us. You know, I mean, he talked to me about, like, riding horses up into the canyon and and catching trout to beach blanket bingo. And he watched L.A. turn into an absolute shit show. And it pissed him off to no end, as it should have. He watched the L.A. River turn into concrete. And he said, fuck all y'all. I'm not cool with this. There was one more story Chris wanted to tell me. This one had stayed with him because it was so mysterious and painful and unresolved. And it was about the person in Mickey's family circle you almost never hear about. Ramona, his mom, who Mickey seemed to worship as a little boy and who had basically abandoned him. One night we're in this cabin where we were gifted a place to stay. I I was staying on the couch um, and he got the bedroom. Like there was a little bedroom up top. And he was uh, besmirching his mother pretty heavily and saying how he never got anything from her and that she didn't take care of him. And I just listened. And that next morning, I wanted to go surfing. And he wasn't up. And I was like, oh, that's kind of curious. So I went up and he was laying there awake. And there was a picture of his mother with two candles on each side. Did you know if she was already dead at that point? Oh, yeah. She was long dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, that wasn't for show. He didn't know I was going to climb the ladder up to his little loft. It showed me that, like, he truly was, like, when he speaks in these sort of code and is here nor there and then back again, like, he really, that really was him. It wasn't all show, is my point. Um, I've been trying to figure that out since 2000. I don't know what, how that worked out. You know, he was, he didn't say anything super mean-spirited, but it was like, my mom didn't take care of me. You know, she basically, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, just turn me out really, you know. And yeah. 
I've never, I really thought a lot about that. And I'm like, wow, does it look like that? Psychologically, like, what it meant is that he, he was maybe venting because he was hurt by that, you know, and wishes things would have been different. Maybe. After the Chile trip, Mickey's health declined. He got a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. In November 2001, his patrons at Quicksilver bought him a round-trip ticket back to California, first class. The return portion was just a kindness. Everyone knew Mickey was leaving France for good. Miklos was still alive. He'd live another 20 years to the age of 107. So from France, Mickey went to Montecito and spent his last days at his father's house, lying naked in the sun. He died in early January 2002. He never went back to the beach that made him famous. But on the day he died, someone painted the wall at Malibu. Dora lives. But Mickey still had a few tricks up his sleeve. We found out after he died that he had $400,000 in a Swiss bank account, but uh, he didn't go after it. He, he was living like a poor man, and he you know, was, went from hand to mouth and acted like a poor person. That's Bob Simpson, the lawyer who knew Mickey at the end of his life. Mickey, for years, had pretended to be destitute. That turned out to be another ruse in a long line of ruses. And the thing that's so strange about the whole Mickey thing, he didn't have to do any of it. It was all unnecessary. This is Denny Auberg, the surfer who knew Mickey way back in the 50s in Malibu. Any dark thing that he did, he could have done it another way. He, his dad had money. He, he didn't have to do it. You know, but that's that thing, that little quirk where he just kind of, like he just wanted to see if he could get away with it. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a psychologist, but uh, like a lot of people, they self-destruct, you know. Next time on Lost Hills, what Mickey left behind. There are 64 letters from all over the world with oh, addresses wow. and stamps. Wow, this is intense. Yeah, I had to let them sit for a couple of weeks before I actually would open them to get my head right, you know, to be sure I was ready to read this, some of this stuff. That's next in the final episode of The Dark Prince, a nasty piece of work. Lost Hills is written and reported by me, Dana Goodyear. It's created by me and Ben Adair and produced by Western Sound and Pushkin Industries. Subscribe to Pushkin Plus and you can binge the entire season right now ad-free. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Hills show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm slash plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you 
and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. Swim up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. 